0: Well, good day. My name is Mark Brown, and you are listening to the Valley in the Shadows podcast. Welcome. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the podcast one of my oldest friends. I first met Tracy when I was 20, 21, 22, somewhere around that. So that's many years ago. It's been a long time. And, And Tracy, we met at a hospital chaplain's training known as clinical pastoral education. And, and that's where I first met you. But since then, all those years ago, We've really maintained contact, and, and even though, as, as you start to speak, people will hear it very quickly that you sound like, you sound like Mark. So we- Aussie. <laughs> Another Aussie. And in fact, uh, we may have special guests on the podcast, because uh, Tracy has shared with me that she's in her backyard, and we may have some mudlarks and some Australian uh, sounds behind it, which will be so wonderful and make me homesick. Uh, But Tracy, it is such a pleasure to welcome you to the Valley in the Shadows podcast. It's really great to have you here.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and to share our stories within community. It's a real blessing.
0: And you know what, in, in, in America, I don't get to hear a lot of Australian accents. And you sound really Aussie. That's really funny for me to say that. <laughs> it's really standing out to me. It's like you sound Ocker, which is a, you know, for the Australians listening, they'll know what ocker means. Uh, but for non-Australians, ocker is like a very intense-sounding Australian. Twain. Tracy, I just really, really... Uh, thankful that you can join us. And and I wanted to just kind of get us into the subject here. Something fairly significant happened to you around five years ago. Do you want to share?
1: Yeah, um, I was very healthy, um, active, working nearly full time, um, a general practice manager, and I was getting ready for my shift to go to work. And I suffered a lot of um, vertigo and I felt very strange on this particular day. Um, So I thought my vertigo was coming on. So I kind of took it easy, went into the lounge room, sat in my chair and just felt really, really weird. So I thought I'll just take a look at what's going on with me and I'm a great meditator. And so I sat in my chair, reclined back a bit and went into meditation. And as I went into the meditation, um, I just felt a tingling from the top of my head all the way down my right side to the tips of my fingers to the ends of my toes. And I immediately thought, ah, I've just had a stroke. Oh, wow. And I didn't panic Um, I come from, um, and seeing my nan have a lot of strokes and for some reason I, I was ready to have a stroke in that I always thought that I might have one, that I knew I had lots of time to get to the hospital and that, you know, I I just didn't panic.
0: So, so you're saying that you, you knew that you were having a stroke, you were able to kind of think um, clearly, uh, maybe that's not the right term, but you are able to kind of say, you know what, yeah. I'm having a stroke, I knew this day would come, you're, you're yeah. able to not panic, and then you drove yourself to the hospital? How did? What happened then? What was the next step?
1: No, I thought, oh, I've got to get help here. Yeah. And I tried to get my mobile, which was on my right-hand side, which was the side that I had had the stroke on. And so I just kept meditating, thinking, okay, if you can't get the phone, what can you do to get help? I knew that my house was totally locked up. All my curtains and blinds were closed. And I knew my husband was only about eight minutes away. And I knew that I I tried to talk and I wasn't able to make any sense or get my mouth to move. So, I thought the only way I've got of getting help is through this mobile phone and getting in contact with my husband, Steve.
0: Wow. So, you're so, sitting there in the chair. You're, yeah. you're not able to speak. How immobile were you? Like, how, how much movement did you have as you sat there in the chair?
1: I felt really, really heavy. I. I couldn't push myself up. Hmm. I had um, laid back in the recliner rocker, so i and the way that you lift your legs up was on the right hand side, so I couldn't actually lower my leg. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, oh, grab your phone, grab your phone. So I got myself into a position, was able to move my left arm across, and finally got hold of my mobile. And there's a lesson to be learnt here because um, I had to use my right thumbprint to unlock my phone and I couldn't do it. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm, th- I'm just thinking, oh, this is crazy. When I come out of this, I've got to sort this problem out.
0: So what happened then? So, you're, you're sitting there, you know you've got to contact your husband, you can't unlock yep. the phone. What happened?
1: I just kept meditating and just thinking, what do you have to do? Just go slowly. You've got time. And I got my phone open. I was able to call my husband and he answered the phone and he's in a very noisy workplace. And I think I was just grunting at him and he's saying, do you want me to come home? And I'm grunting back and I could hear him say, hold on a minute. I'll just ask my supervisor if I can come home. Hold on, hold on. I heard him speak to his supervisor, and he he said he had to come home immediately, and he came home. Um, And I actually didn't tell him that I was sure I had a stroke. So I wanted to keep him calm.
0: And and so your wonderful husband... You don't want to freak him out. He's now heading yes. home. He's probably thinking, "Oh, she's having a you know a, a, a touch of vertigo." Uh, yeah. He gets in the house. What does he see? What happens then?
1: Well, I'm I'm trying to hold myself together. And he he says to me, "He had no clue that I'd had a stroke. No clue." Um. He dropped me off in the ED and then went and um, parked the car and got back. I don't remember any of this. Um, He said that he took me up to the window, the triage window, and his words were, and then this woman just disappears. She's so rude. She just totally disappeared and the next minute all these gray green ghosts are coming out of the sliding doors and they're putting you in a wheelchair and they take you away and we're getting charged through emergencies. said so I couldn't believe it it was all happening it was just crazy
0: that was the first indication that he had that something yeah. really serious had happened when, yeah. you said that you you know you said you didn't you don't recall this period at all when did you first Start to become conscious of what was happening to you. How, like, was it days later or later that day?
1: No, I, I've lost eighteen months.
0: Gosh, I had no idea.
1: I, yeah.
0: Wait. So, you, when you say you've lost eighteen months, tell me what yeah. what do you mean by that? You've got scattered memories, or you've got no memory? What, what is No that?
1: memory. None. We've had a granddaughter born and I was there at her birth. I have no recollection of that. Oh, my I, God. I, I've just lost 18 months of memories, just gone.
0: Wow. And, and so let me ask a very, and, and you know me, we, you know, we, we don't yeah. skim, and, skim across the surface. So I'm nope. going to ask a deep question and feel free to talk about the weather there in Perth, Western Australia. But what? How does that affect you to know that you've missed, you've got an 18-month gap in your memory and you you went immediately to the birth of a grandchild, which, of course, is so significant. How does it affect you? Does it affect you? And if it does, how is it affecting you?
1: Uh, It's interesting. I I think and I really believe in um, mystery. I've always been okay with mystery. I've always been okay with not knowing the ending of a story. Um, And I think that's why I was really called to chaplaincy, cold calling in the moment, move on, don't need a finish, don't need to know what happened at the end. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's just part of my own journey. It's just part of my story. I've got 18 months missing and, that's
0: that so what about what about those that are close to you I just want to focus on this eighty months for a little bit longer and then I obviously want to yeah. explore with you what happened physiologically psychologically and how you coped with it and obviously all of that is really interesting how did yeah. how did that affect Steve uh, and, and and your children and those that you know close to you your mother I mean when you yeah. were when you're in that 18 month period I guess I'm asking several questions here but Were there signs that you weren't going to remember this, that you were kind of uh, scatterbrained, uh, forgetful, or you just literally, quote-unquote, normal Tracy, obviously with the effects of a stroke, and then just one day you woke up and you're like, wait, what happened in the last 18 18 months?
1: Yeah, I, I don't really know, Mark. I really think that's a question for Steve to answer, and I'm sure I was scatterbrained. Um, I'm sure that I couldn't hold memories short-term together. Um, I don't know how I worked. I made lots of lists. Um, I know it affected Steve greatly and to the point where he suffered post-traumatic stress. He's, he really did struggle and he has only just getting on top of that now. So it did have a big impact. And I know it affected my parents greatly as well because they expected something to happen to them being older rather than to me, their daughter. And uh, my children were, you know, I am the matriarch. I carried everybody very strong and supportive and kept everyone together and then I wasn't able to do that. So it's it's been a tough ride for everyone, it feels, except me. I just accept they are the ones outside looking in, seeing changes.
0: So tell me then what – how did it – and – obviously there's the immediate after effects and what it did to physiologically and then as you've had rehabilitation and, 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 and treatment hopefully that you know you'll share how that's changed uh, you but what was the immediate physiological psychological effects again i'm now asking you in the period that you <laughs> don't have memory so maybe, yeah. maybe we'll we'll kind of answer it when you became aware and where you remember uh, or someone's told yeah. you I mean, what what phys- physiological effects did you have
1: Um, this is interesting because Steve and I were talking about this about two weeks ago with a counsellor, um, just trying to get our heads around fatigue and a lot of the stuff came up and he said that, um, I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk. Um, he found that very difficult and, and wondered if this was going to be how it would be from now on and nobody was able to tell him that it wouldn't be like that. Um, So physiologically, I don't remember, but he tells me it was a very tough time because I'm a very stubborn person. Yeah. And if someone tells me I can't do something, I'm going to have a darn good shot at it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And you're also, knowing you as I do, you're very active. As you said, you're the matriarch I mean you and Steve have wonderful breaks you, you know you you love the getting on the boat um, you yeah. you're very active in the caravan. You're, Yeah, in the caravan yeah. and you have you have this you had a, a career you had chaplaincy yeah. you also had as you said you were the practice manager in, in a very busy medical practice and then literally overnight you're yeah. not able to walk not able to talk the shock yeah. For Steve, uh, must have been significant, and and it, no it surprise was. he had he had PT, he has PTSD from that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I was kayaking regularly with him. I was a lacrosse goalie, and I was in the middle of my season. Wow. Oh. Um, it, it, yeah, going from very community orientated outside of my own house to all of a sudden. Locked within the four walls and not able to get out and about and not able to drive. I wasn't able to drive for quite a long time. So, how were
0: you cared for? I mean, how did you uh, do the basics of, of every day, the brushing your teeth, the bathing, the eating? Uh, has, has Stephen shared with you what, how that was achieved in that period?
1: Well, uh, I've got the very big gift of being ambidextrous. And I use my left hand for a lot of things. I actually play lacrosse, played lacrosse with my left hand. Um, but right, with my right hand, do most other things with my left hand. So I just carried on as normal, apparently. Wow. Yeah. So,
0: so when you became aware, and you know, I guess the, the earliest memories after the incident, so post-18 months, Where were you physically then and what sort of rehabilitation and treatment did you have to receive?
1: Um, I still receive a lot of physio rehab and a lot of OT support. A lot of changes have been made around the house and I see a counsellor regularly. Um, Lots of help with family and friends. Um, I get domestic assistance support so I have somebody come in and do my housework the heavy things like the changing of the bed sheets the floors the bathrooms Uh, I get domestic assistance Um, and Steve has helped out incredibly and he still does he's my rock without him him without me and me without him it would just not be possible
0: so, so you continue to have physiotherapy, occupational therapy. You've had to have modifications to the house. You get yep. some folks in to help you with the heavy cleaning. Um, yeah. So where are you at today? Like how are you physically today? Have you got some motion and movement uh, back or?
1: When you look at me from the outside, you probably don't notice that I've had a stroke when I get tired, um, I can drag my right foot. Um, my face, my right side of my face, drops a little bit. I do suffer from fatigue most days. Um, I work three days a week, seven to eight hours a day. Um, and I really take heed of what my body's telling me and I rest up a lot when I need to. I don't watch a lot of TV if my brain is too fatigued. Um, I don't listen to a lot of music. I need quiet, dark space. I'm, I'm very aware of what I need when I'm fatigued.
0: How often are you? You said daily. Um, yeah. Give me a sense that you fatigued for, you know, after a long day or is it you're fatigued in the morning and then you pick up? How, how, do, how does it specifically affect you, the fatigue?
1: I wake up at 5am ready to go mm. and firing on all four and then I hit 2pm and I start to go into a slump and come 3pm I need to be driving home and if I'm not home by 4pm I'm an absolute I'm an absolute mess after 4pm
0: so, you go to bed very early? are you an early to bed person?
1: Yes, mostly I'm in bed by about six <laughs>
0: wow and and that wasn't like that before, correct?
1: No, yeah, that wasn't like that before
0: I mean but that that's what you need to be able to function to have to to get yeah. up at five a m and and give it a good shot through to two three o'clock and that that's how yeah. you you manage things. Wow that's so now I want to explore with you. How you've got through this? You've you've yeah. talked about Steve and your rock, and certainly feel free to to explore that some more. What's been the elements, the resources, the attitude that has got you through this to where you're back to where you are right now? You're not back to one hundred percent. In fact, is that even a goal to be one hundred percent, or is it more? You know, you have a quality of life.
1: I don't know what normal or 100% is for anybody, you know. So I don't hold myself up to any of those standards. I want to be the best person I can be. And I think I've always looked at at that. It's not something that's come after stroke. Just be the best you can be right now with what you have right now. Um, I want to do the best for me and for my family and if you tell me there's not a way to do something I'm going to find a way I think outside of the box and I will try and I will try and I will try different ways until I find a way forward or sideways or under or over whatever I have to do to achieve what I feel is important to keep going, I will.
0: So, so the the question of what, how, what are the resources? How have you uh, overcome this? Come through this over these five years? The first thing I observe in what you just shared is actually I, you know, I, I've known you a very long time, and and obviously knew you long before this incident, this event. And yeah. one thing I would say about Tracy to those who are listening is she was. It was high energy, but the thing that really stood out about you, Tracy, is how positive you were. You know, you are, I should say, you are. You really, you know, whatever was dished up, you made something of it. And that's always been, you've always had this very infectious energy. You talked about the matriarch, the foundation of the family, um i I can see that a hundred percent you are someone who just makes things happen you're very you're an excellent chaplain because you were always you had this capacity to be very thoughtful to deeply care for those around you. And so that all of that combined, when it's turned on yourself, if I can use that expression, if you kind of say, Well, what do I need to make the most of this situation? That's what you've yeah. just described. So actually, the first thing I want to say, and you know, when I ask the question, how did you get through this? What resources? You're actually saying, Well, it's my attitude. You know, yeah. I I just didn't sit in a corner in a, a slumpy glump and be sorry for myself and, you know, why am I living? I have no doubt you had those low no. moments. There is no, no doubt in my mind, but generally speaking, you were like, no, I need to make, make the most of this and get on with it.
1: I, I, I've never been one to think about and dwell on negatives. I, I, you're right. I'm always positive um, and to the point where that's really peeved Steve. I'm I'm too positive. You know, will you just calm down a bit, please? (laughs) But yeah, and also, Mark, I know being in the hospital setting, I know the brain is an amazing machine and that we have the capacity to change things in our brain that we don't have to change things with other parts of our body. And and I've been told that I just kept pushing different things, especially when I was mostly fatigued. And when I was mostly fatigued, I my brain didn't um, fight me. It just made new pathways. And the next day I was better at something because I had made new pathways I was no longer fighting myself and the usual way of me going about things. Say In my diary, um, the best way forward is to wait until I'm so fatigued and then try these things. It scared Steve. It really scared Steve. But I felt I was making the most progress when I was most fatigued.
0: Explore that a bit. What? Tell me what. Un, unpack that a bit. What? What you, you talked about. You. You said you make the best progress when you're the most fatigued. Unpack that something. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I've been talking to somebody at the Multiple Sclerosis um, Society, which is MSWA. They're my rehab provider, and um, they've been talking about neuroplasticity, and I think that's what I was doing. I was creating new pathways when my brain could make least resistance and the next day I could do things, albeit only small, but I was making progress because I was making new pathways in my brain to do these things. They couldn't do it the old way, but I'm such a quirky person that I love change. And so I don't need to hold on to old ways. I feel fine letting things go and trying new things. And I think I'm really blessed in that way.
0: There are two things to explore there is the first is um, you kind of, because of your attitude of like when I'm, at my lowest, when I'm my, my most fatigued is when I'm going to put a little bit more extra effort in. That's the first yes. thing. And that is so powerful for those that are listening. Is when you're at your lowest ebb, when you're really yeah. down, uh, it's incredible how uh, how capable, how, how, how resourceful the brain is. We just need to make that effort to, to get the brain process rolling. Yes. The yeah. second thing is, which is so powerful, I think, is, again, it's your attitude here of, I, I embrace change. And, and that's tough for so many people, but it's another really important lesson here, is that when you are struggling to, to say to yourself, this is the season of change. And in fact, the word crisis... You know, it comes from the Latin for, for transition, and it's a transition yeah. to opportunity, an opportunity for something new and wonderful. And that's where the word crisis yeah. comes from. So you're actually talking about this to yourself, is that actually being open yeah. to change is really an important part of your healing
1: oh my gosh, celebrate it. When you say crisis, I go, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) let's do it.
0: (laughs) So let me ask you, what other, as we explore this uh, incredible journey you've been on, what other ways, what other resources have helped you through this this process and continue to help you. You've talked about MS, you know, MSCW, uh, M- MSW. Thank you. You've talked about Steve. You've talked about this incredible attitude that you have. Are there, is there anything else that you want to kind of share with everybody of, that's been a resource for you?
1: Every everyone has their value. You can be um, overwhelmed by how many people are coming to help you out. But everybody is valuable. They're all coming to you because they have something to offer you.
0: You're an incredible individual. It's been so inspiring to talk to you today because here you were faced with a very serious, massive change to your life. That you know, it, literally in a in a moment. I mean, that sounds cliche, but it's true. In a moment, your yep. life changed completely from goalkeeping in lacrosse, being a full time, yep. very busy worker, being the you know the stalwart rock of the family, all everything else. I'm just summarizing a few yeah. things to having an eighteen months segment of your life that you don't remember, and to now in you know in in rehab. But with all of that, you know it. You would have been, it would have been understandable if you just said, you know what, I can't handle this. I would I would not want that of anybody, but I, it would be like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, she's taken a really big hit. But what you've done is, and I can see actually, the the a lot of the attitude that has taken you through this healing, you've really always had. You know, you've always yeah. been a positive person. You've always been an, an energetic. As you said, you've always loved change. But these things have really, really been facilitative to for you to help you get to where you are right now. And for me, I find that incredibly inspiring. Well, Tracy, Mm. you know, Christy and I love you uh, very much. We love that man of yours. And if I can get. If I can get him to come over to America and you to come over to America, you've always got it. It's an open invite. Bless (laughs) you. Thank you so much for taking the time and the courage to share with you what has been a very significant trauma in your life and then how you have been able to continue to to overcome it. God bless you and thank you so much.
1: Thank you. You're so welcome. And if anybody out there that has had a stroke, I would really welcome them getting in contact with me and I, however way I could help out just by – you know, emailing or something, giving support that way.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that's an excellent yeah. offer. If you if you uh, uh, would like to speak with Tracy, then message me and I can connect the two of you. And, and Tracy, that's just so typical of your very generous, loving heart. So thank you again thank for you. being on, on the podcast. God bless you.
1: Thanks, Mark. You too. Bye.